And I think that for all of us, it's a clean slate and that they can reinvent themselves and they can do better or, you know, strive further or join different groups or make new friends. Um, Whatever it is that they feel they were lacking, it's not too late. Hello, this is Dr. Ned Hallowell for my podcast called Distraction. Today, we're focusing on parents and children going back to school. What a traumatic transition that can be. And I'm very lucky to have with us one of my favorite people uh, when it comes to ADHD, one of my favorite people, period. But uh, Cindy Goldrich is a gold mine of experience, information, practical tips. She really learned in the trenches and then took what she knew and uh, expanded it into a wonderful book called Eight Keys to Parenting Children with ADHD. Uh, She also does a wonderful workshop. She lives in Long Island and uh, works there as well as in New York City. She comes to my office when we're lucky enough to get her in Manhattan. Uh, And her workshop is called Calm and Connected. Uh, she really knows this stuff inside and out, and not just for ADHD, but for children in general going through uh, the complete confusion, chaos, bubble of August, September, heading back to school. So with that introduction, Cindy, welcome to Distraction. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure getting to speak to you again. <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, jump right in. What do you think parents, what advice do you have for them? <laughs> well, that's a real broad question, but I'll tell you, I, I was doing my workshop this morning. We were all talking, all the parents are getting ready for that back to school and, and what do they do? And from my perspective, I know there's a lot of wonderful work out there to help the, the students, but my perspective is I want to help the parents so that they can help their kids, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So to me, one of the best things you can do when you think about your kid going back to school is see what kind of goals you have in terms of your relationship with your child and how what role you want to play in supporting them in school this year. Because as your kids get older, that's the time where, you know, logically speaking, developmentally speaking, the kids should be taking on more and more of their role and you should be going, you know, less and less in terms of your active involvement. But for many, and you know this, Ned, for many of these kids, we're so used to as parents having to help them a lot more. So it becomes habitual and it becomes the norm to be doing things that if you take a step back, you realize, well, maybe it's time that they start doing some of these things, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. But then the big question becomes, are they ready? How do I help them be responsible? And mm-hmm. what should they do versus what should I do? Mm-hmm. And what, what are your answers to those questions? Well, I think obviously it depends on the age of the child. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I'll give you a few little keys that maybe you need to be thinking about what role you're taking. Okay. There are areas like waking your child up for school. When you've got a kid who is resistant to going to school or even if they're not resistant, but just, you know, mornings become difficult Mm -hmm. and you're taking on that role, very often that's a hard way to start your day. Mm -hmm. And so there's work that I and my parent coaches do to look at 
how can we start that transition? It's not just a matter of having them have an alarm clock. It's a matter of helping the parent look at themselves and say, well, you know, how do I feel about when the kid's not waking up for school? How do I feel about them being late? Mm -hmm. And what am I putting into our relationship that maybe is starting to impinge on their development and what they need to do to be responsible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, getting up in the morning can be a big deal. So how, how do you help parents get them out of bed on time? Well, it's not just helping them get out of bed at time. It's really about whose responsibility and what role do I want to take as the parent yeah. and what role do I want my kid to take and how do I gradually help them build the skills. Right. You know, at a young age, kids can start having alarm clocks in their room yeah. and you can start having them set that alarm clock whether or not they're responsible enough and able enough to respond to it is another issue we have to deal with. But at least we're starting to say, hey, you need to start, you know, taking part of that role on. For, for my daughter, we ended up getting a flying alarm clock. <laughs> she, had to, yeah. she would not There's respond a- to a regular alarm clock. So it had to fly around the room. So she had to get out of bed and catch it. There's one called Clocky where it literally has wheels and it can roll off and uh-huh. it sounds like R2-D2, right? And the only uh-huh. way to shut it off is to get out of bed. Uh-huh. I mean, there are all sorts of alarms. Yeah. But what, yeah. what happens is parents with their own parental anxiety don't leave the space for the kid to develop the skill they need to. And this could be said about waking up in the morning. This mm-hmm. could be said about um, eating properly. This could be said about doing your homework. Mm-hmm. This could be said about cleaning the room or doing any, any of these things. So that's kind of where I look at what are the structures, what are the rules, what are the expectations parents need to set up with their kids around some of these life skills. Because you know, you and I both have older kids. You want them to be ready for the real world. And this is a gradual process. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I will say one mistake I, I see parents often make is some expert tells them, you know, it's time for them to take responsibility and, and the kid just can't. And then what I've seen many times that you sink or swim in the world of ADHD, they sink. If they don't have ADHD, that approach might work. But with Kids with ADHD, I always tell parents to err on the side of providing the support instead of withholding it. Well, that's where you and I are very aligned, right? The introductory chapter to my book is called Parent the Child You Have. Right. Not the child you thought you'd have, not the child you wish you'd have, not the child you'd have if your mother-in-law got her way and you listened to all the advice (laughs) of all those other people, right? Yes. You've got to get to know your child, and there are times... And you know this, you just said it. There are times when you do need to bend things a little bit. Mm -hmm. But what I always tell parents understand is, am I bending at the expense of teaching the skill? Mm -hmm. I need to make sure that they are response able. And if they're not response able, Mm -hmm. then I'm going to be, that's how I know I need to help more. Mm, But I always have my eye out to see if I can help them be more response able. That's a great word, response able versus response able. And, exactly. You know, the, you and that whole idea like, that you said about sink or swim, I mean, I always give the example of my teacher training. I mean, we're always worried about, you know, the kids developing this independence, right? Like my daughter's seven years old, let's say, and I taught her how to swim, right? I've shown her, I've given her lessons. At this point, I got to let her just figure it out. Uh-huh. Well, if you do that with a kid, what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. They're going to drown. Yeah. But that's the same, same thing we're doing with that philosophy of, well, they're a certain age, they need to be you know, able to handle this. Right. It's about knowing, and that's the nuanced work that you have to do, in, you know, in the parenting work, 
of how do I help them know what the responsibilities are and what's that path that they're leading the train, I'm not leading the train. Right, right. What other major sort of themes, bits of advice do do you offer? Well, homework. I always say to parents, Mm. never let your relationship suffer at the altar of homework. Mm. If you are finding you are having battles over homework, then that's the time to either, and it depends on the age of the child, the skill, everything else, but there are lots of things you can do. You can get, let's say, I mean, I've got lots of coaches. Um, You can get some sophisticated tutors who really understand these kids. Mm -hmm. But to me, a lot of it has to do with the parenting perspective Mm -hmm. and what is the expectation you have? What is your level of tolerance in terms of leaving space for them to work some of these things out, but then realizing, as we were just saying, that, you know what, this may be a kid that comes home from school, do they need a break? Mm-hmm. Do they need support? Did they, you know, just because they were in school all day and they came home and the homework's written down, well, that doesn't mean they know how to do it. Mm-hmm. And of course, what is our what is our assumption then? Well, they must be lazy or maybe they weren't paying attention in school, but mm-hmm. that may not be the case. Maybe they were doing their best in school, but their processing speed wasn't wasn't strong enough for them to kind of take all the information in, or maybe their working memory wasn't strong enough for them to write down all the, all the specific things and know how it relates to what they need to do. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they lost their focus at just that critical moment when the teacher was saying something, so now when they go home to do it themselves, they're lost. Mm-hmm. So we mm-hmm. can't just assume that because a kid was in school and they care and they try and they've got the homework, that they can just do it. Right, right. It's so important. And I, I think your basic tenets are relevant to, uh, to kids who don't have ADHD and to parents, Absolutely. You know, parents who are just dealing with the sort of the chaos of modern life, uh, whether ADHD is part of the picture or not. I think your tips on organizing and so-called executive function skills. Those executive are, uh, functions, yeah. Yeah, those are very... In re- fact, a few years ago, I expanded... Um, the title of my workshop because I recognize so many of the parents that were coming to me, it's not that their kids have ADHD. They just have challenges. Yeah. I have the executive functions. Yeah. And I spend a lot of time teaching about that. So now the workshop is called Common Connected, Parenting Kids with ADHD and or executive function skills. Yeah, or, or, or just parenting kids in the modern era. You know, I mean, it's, Exactly. It's, that's all of it. My yeah. parents always say it's a seventh session workshop and they all say after session one, the rest of the sessions, it's all about parenting. Yeah. That their kids with and without ADHD, it's truly changed the relationship that they have with their children. Well, that's the thing. To, instead of struggling and fighting every day, you can cooperate and, and uh, you know, have fun with your kids, not just be fighting to get things done. Absolutely. As you always say, you know, vitamin C, that connection, right? Yeah, exactly. It's exactly. all about the connection. It's all about the relationship because if you don't have a good, strong, positive, nurturing relationship with your child... They don't feel safe to take risks. They don't feel safe that they can try and that they can own up to the fact that, you know what, I was in class all day, but, Ma, I don't understand the homework. It went too fast. Right. They, right. We, we don't want them worrying, well, I can't tell Mom I didn't, I didn't know it because then Mom's just going to get frustrated with me again that I didn't pay attention. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Well, you are wonderful, Cindy. Uh, you're a trove of wisdom, information, experience. Oh, thank you. Uh, it's really true. Again, Cindy Goldrich and her book, Eight Keys to Parenting Children with ADHD. 
uh, her calm and connected workshops, ptscoaching.com. Just wonderful, wonderful resource, not only for parents of kids who have ADHD, but uh, parents of, of children in, in today's very distracted world. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I will tell you that I, I understand there's going to be a link on uh, on your podcast to follow up. And if parents do um, go on that link, they'll be able to get the introductory chapter to my book. And also I'm offering them a 20% discount on the Common Connected Workshop series. So Excellent. they may want to go ahead and, and click on that link and get, take advantage of that. Oh, absolutely. Take advantage of it. Um, gosh, Cindy, thank you so, so much. It's a real treat to have you on, on Distraction. Always a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, my thanks again to Cindy Goldrich for speaking with me. And now that we've talked about how parents can make the back-to-school transition a little easier, we wanted to get some advice for the kids, too. We invited a couple of teachers to share their thoughts with us on what kids can do to make their back-to-school transition as smooth as possible. Now, I wasn't able to attend the session myself, so our wonderful, adaptable, always-ready-to-do-anything producer, Sarah Gurton, sat down herself with the teachers. And she's a parent, so she understands these issues firsthand. This is Sarah. I'm here in the studio. And today we have a couple of very special teachers with us. Would you guys like to introduce yourselves? So I'm Samara Vayuso. I am a high school teacher in New Haven. I've been here for 14 years teaching. And I'm also a mom. And I have an eighth grader and a fifth grader. And I'm Larry Simpson. I teach uh, first grade here in New Haven. Um... Previously, I'd done a bunch of enrichment programs a lot in, like, California and moved back here to really dig into teaching and not a parent. (laughs) (laughs) So we're looking for your advice, basically, and tips for all kids. I have lots of thoughts. Um, (laughs) I I feel that this is something that the whole family has to get used to um, as as a group, individuals, what their roles are, and I think that... You know, we we need to focus on just the basic things in life, getting enough sleep, um, you know, really focusing on what it is they're going to be doing instead of video games or the social time that they want to have with their friends. I think maybe that for my high school kids is actually a positive. Um, going back to school is a time where they do see friends that they haven't seen all summer. And so that could be a draw for them. Um, and to get them to be successful doing the things that make them feel good, such as eating right and getting enough sleep, is going to help them be with their friends more. Mm-hmm. That might be a draw for them to think about um, as well as just preparing for the day. I just have a lot of high school kids who come and with an empty backpack and they need to understand they need supplies. If they can't get them, there's help. There's lots of resources available. And I think that's a hard thing to do is to ask for help. Mm-hmm. Um, Larry, and, I see you nodding yeah. your head to that. Oh, yeah. Well, to so yeah, many things ahead. you said. Yeah, yeah. It's so easy to see a kid sitting there wherever their seat is with all these thoughts, all these things that they wish they could communicate with their teacher about things they might their teacher might misunderstand. You know, you might see me doing this, but actual, actually it's this. Don't wait. 
Mm. Figure out what that, maybe talk to your parent, figure out what that conversation looks like, and then go right to the teacher and have it. Because we're always looking for that. Mm -hmm. We're always hoping that kids come to us and, you know, let us know what to expect and what things look like. And we can have those personal conversations. It's a good way to start the year, I think. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's actually very true, too, for our parents out there listening or young adults that are listening going back to high school who have ADHD or any number of learning challenges, differences, you know, that's really a good suggestion is to bring it to the teacher's attention if they don't know. Just as a teacher in public schools, we get the information, we get the the IEPs, the 504s, we, we get that on paper. You know, I'm trying to look at it from a different point of view right now, but I know that I can see learning disabilities, ADHD manifest in very different ways for different kids. And so, like Larry was saying, you know, they they might show you one thing, but it might be something else going on in their head. And so for me anyway, and I know probably for Larry, we try to make bonds with our kids in order to get through those barriers so they do feel comfortable coming to us. But you still might not have it. So I might have a, a kid who doesn't look like she's even there, that she wants to be there, and she's causing problems, leaving the classroom, whatever she might be doing, and she really just needs, um, you know, an understanding ear. She Mm -hmm. needs someone to say, it's okay, I I get it, and we want you here. Mm -hmm. And it must be good to get that stuff out of the way in the beginning so they don't waste all this time feeling lost or misunderstood. Definitely. It's a skill we don't get till we're older. Mm -hmm. When you meet new people, you kind of like, you know, all right, I'm going to need to check in about these two or three things so that they don't surprise you later because that's when it becomes an incident. But Mm -hmm. it's so hard as a kid. Like, I definitely had organizational issues as a child. And I, you know, I had special people in the school that helped me out with them. But until I was able to, like, talk to them about, like, you know, and definitely in my work today, you know, like, if I'm working in a close space with someone, I let them know what to look for and, like, what to remind me of because I know that'll make my life easier. It's so hard as a kid to do yeah, that. Definitely. And I think a lot of times kids sit behind a whole wall of fear about community, you know, I'm disorganized, and then they just won't say it. And they live behind this whole wall. And it's not until, like, someone's yelling at you that you're saying, well, you know, cut me some slack now. Mm -hmm. That and the mental preparation about how last year was last year, and it's a clean slate. And I think even as a teacher, probably in May or June of the previous year, I'm thinking, okay, next year's a clean slate. Mm -hmm. What are we going to do better? What are we going to improve? And I think that for all of us, it's a clean slate and that they can reinvent themselves and they can do better or, you know, strive further or join different groups or make new friends. Um, Whatever it is that they feel they were lacking, it's not too late. It's not too late and that they have to keep that positive attitude. Um, I know with my own kids right now, just the anxiety is setting in. There's one week left. Mm -hmm. I think my daughter's already thinking about the following year because it's going to be a high Uh, school league. So her eighth grade year, she's almost like clouding over Mm -hmm. in this nervous anticipation for for high school. And I'm trying to get her to live in the moment and not do that. Like, enjoy this time. You know, you worked hard. You did well keep doing it. Mm -hmm. You know, you're going to get to see your friends. You have new teachers. It's exciting. I think that's true for even my Mm nine-year-old to be, he can sometimes think way far ahead. And it's like, 
Be in the moment. I guess that's probably good advice for mm-hmm. every age, even teachers, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and take each moment as it comes and not worry about tomorrow so much. Right. Yeah, enjoying it, yeah. right? Because that's something we don't even talk about as enjoying much in school, school as we yeah, you know. I did, but I, yeah. I could have problems. <laughs> yeah, what's wrong with you that you enjoyed that? And that's a conversation you can also have with your teacher because we're looking to enjoy school too. And there are moments that we really like and – with all of our students, like, I mean, with even my most, you know, difficult, oh, often problematic students, some of those are the most fun kids. Like, identifying that really early on, that you're with someone who wants to enjoy your company, who likes the random conversations you guys get to have in the margins, um, who's really looking for your success and your progress, you know, to happen. I love what you said, though, about communication with the teacher, and that's something I think as a parent we can encourage our children to do that, to talk to their teacher, to be themselves and be expressive and express their emotions and what they're feeling and talk to them just like they would to a parent. Like it's a, it is a safe person that wants to help you. I just had this thought now as a parent and, of course, as a teacher, I appreciate the kids who can come to me to say, you know, Miss, I need this or I'm not getting this. And, you know, with all of the requirements that teachers have, with all of the mandates, with all of the new initiatives, it comes down to just teaching the kids who are in front of you. And so we're always um, changing things and modifying whether a kid has an IEP or whether they don't have an IEP. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to get the group dynamic to work in our class. And what, what does that look like? And so I really appreciate it when there are kids that can come to me to say, I need this, I can't get this. And I worry more about the kids who don't talk to me. Hmm. And so I try to make it a point to really get to them. But sometimes it's hard because you're bombarded with the ones who are louder. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have my own children are not those kids. They are the quiet ones. And they come home and complain to me. And so now they're old enough where I can't fix things for them anymore. I'm not going to email teachers anymore. I'm not going to run down to the principal's office banging on her door anymore. Well, I will if I have to. <laughs> but – or the coaches or whoever right. it is. I, you know, I want to. I have like emails written mm-hmm. out that I have to delete or, <laughs> you know, things like that. But now I'm thinking to myself, it's more important to make my kids stand up for themselves and to be able to um, be self sufficient in that way to say what they need from whoever it is. Mm-hmm. That's the only way I can assure that they will make good decisions when they're not with me because that's making, that makes me nervous as a parent. So, you know, for parents and for kids, I think making them have their own personal voice is really an important part. You know, I'm really getting like ready. That. And Larry, you're nodding again there. <laughs> yeah. Although I'm not a parent, I would, you know, really yeah. hope that my kids, you know, learned how to speak up for themselves. And yeah, that it, those are the bigger moments, you know. And what education really is about, because we're not trying to make sure everybody knows Shakespeare or have read all the Clifford books, you know, no matter what grade, it's that you're able to problem solve in your environment and get the resources you need exactly. before it's too late. That's that's really all it's about. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, a kid who's got like a leg up on that has done that, but might struggle through the school year. If they're doing that consistently through their life, it's going to show up. So sleep, yeah. <laughs> eating right, good communication, 
with your, you know, teacher mm-hmm. saying what your needs are, what you need, not being afraid to ask for them. Mm-hmm. And the last thing I'm curious about is socially, because mm-hmm. I'm sure you guys see a ton that goes on between the kids. Yes. So <laughs> after having a summer off, now you're back in the classroom with some kids you like, some kids you don't like for any age. Any advice you can offer to kids there? Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Loaded question. Well, I, I honestly think, and I was going to say this because as you were naming all the things, the number one, I think, on top of everything is just to have a positive outlook to try to have that positive outlook uh, really about everything, about your ability in school, about your social situation, about, you know, making friends versus, you know, keeping up with those bad relationships that Mm -hmm. were brought in. People change, you know, keep a good outlook, keep that positive vibe going. I I think that's really, that's really the important thing. One thing that I I like kind of consistently think is or observe Kids who participate in goal-centered, like, outside activities, kids who are in extracurriculars, have an easier time adapting to the social-emotional part of school because there's a way where they're structured and they're required to be functional socially-emotionally, but in a less kind of disconnected way. I mean, it's hard, but the more parents can get their kids involved in things, you know, the better they're able to adapt to these different environments. They're about problem solving because I think um, kids who aren't comfortable problem solving are more likely to put down other kids. They're more likely to be uncomfortable with their own mistakes and therefore to hold other people's mistakes against them. And yeah, I mean, Hmm. I didn't do a lot of activities when I was a kid. And I, you know, now that I teach outside activities, I'm like, wow, okay, that was it. I love that. I thank you guys so much for coming in. You were really, really great. And I love that a lot of what you said is basic stuff. It's just reminding yourself yeah. of it. You know, stay positive, get enough sleep, eat right. Like that's stuff we can all do and have we all have control over that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I love that. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, well that's our show for today. Thank you so much to the teachers who joined us, Samara and Larry, for sharing their thoughts and experience with us. And thanks, of course, to the wonderful Cindy Goldrich, a real pro as well. As for this back-to-school transition, you know, we all sort of uh, dread it, but at the same time, we can't wait for it to happen, except maybe the kids. Uh, You know, it's best to go into it with as positive an attitude as you possibly can. Uh, All the research now just pours in about uh, the incredible difference a positive attitude makes. You know, you don't want to fake it, but at the same time, try to find the positives. You know, look forward to meeting new people, the teacher, new subjects, uh, new experiences. You can reflect with your kids back on your days in fifth grade or whatever. Kids always love to hear that. You know, what was school like back then? And and you can tell them how much better it is now with all the new technology and all the exciting stuff. And, and they're on their way to growing on to the next stage. And... Uh, and then, and then, of course, do focus on getting organized and uh, the obvious habits of, you know, getting enough sleep and getting enough exercise. Have family dinner. Have family dinner. Have togetherness. Have a picnic. Go to the park. Do something to, to just marshal that positive energy. It, it really makes a big difference uh, to how your kids will get off to a start in school, not to mention it makes a big difference for you. 
As I often say, it's all about the power of connection. So uh, celebrate this time of year, this confusing uh, time of year, this uh, stress-filled time of year. And the best antidote to that kind of stress is simply to connect and enjoy the life you have. Okay, this is Ned Hallowell for Distraction. And now's when I remind you to please take our listener survey. If you haven't done so already, we really need this information. Just go to distractionpodcast.com and click on the blue words in the upper right corner that say, Take Listener Survey. It'll only take you two minutes, so please go to distractionpodcast.com, click on the blue words in the upper right-hand corner that say, Take Listener Survey. Really, thank you so much for doing that. Distraction is produced by Collisions, the podcast division of CRN International. Collisions, podcasts for curious people. Our original music theme was created by Mark Berman. Our sound engineer is the amazingly talented Scott Person. And our producer is the equally amazingly talented Sarah Gurton.